Earlier in the summer, I decided that uh, my, my guitar playing had reached a sort of, in, uh, well, I'd hit a brick wall, and so I called up my guitar teacher again and said, hey, I got to start up. He said, okay. So right away, I get in, and he's like, well, this is what you need. You have to learn the fretboard. I'm like, I don't want to learn the fretboard. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you play piano, which I've played for like 40 years, you have white keys and black keys. So an A is right there between those two black keys, and it's also right there, and it's right there. And it's very easy, it's very visual. But a guitar fretboard, you got a few markers, but basically every fret looks the same. So to identify the actual notes just takes repetition over and over. And so he said, start with the first three strings, key of C, and start playing your triads, chords, C, E, G, D, F, A. But don't just play it, look at it, this is the guitar, look at it and see it, D, C, E, G, and then do, this, do the first inversion, E, G, C, F, A, D. Then do the second inversion. Oh. And then when you've done that and it's perfectly fluid and you see it, move one string down. Now do the same thing over and over and over and over. And so now during football, over and over, it is tedious, laborious. Now you might say, well, gosh, that's not the worst thing in the world. Father, you're watching football playing guitar. I know. I know. And good for me. But the... Uh, the reality is that if, if I want to get better, I have to go through this period of eh, toil. I don't want to call it suffering, but it, it's boring and laborious sort of, you know, I can play all these other things, but to really develop, I have to put in the work. There has to be work. The same thing I remember so many times throughout. I remember in uh, seventh grade, we had a combined seventh and eighth grade baseball team, and I got cut from, I didn't make the team in seventh grade, and I was really upset. And my dad said, well, what'd they tell you? They said, well, your defense isn't good enough. And uh, he said, well, you have to give them a reason not to cut you. And I never got cut again, and I never didn't start again. Because that entire summer, that's all I did, over and over and over and over. Now, I know I'm not the only one who has had such experiences. We know that to you know, get to a point where that's, that's work or that's education or a sport, um, a trade, it takes repetition over and over and over. I remember I went to the dentist. I told you about the dentist. Anyway, so it was a while back, right? And uh, he looked really young to me. And I thought, man, I, I hope he didn't just get out of school. Now, he, he could have been the best, you know, dental student ever, ever. And I don't know. I mean, I think he did a good job. It doesn't hurt anymore. But, um, but if you knew the guy had done it for 20 years and was good at it, you'd feel better than if he just got out of school. Just the repetition, just the, you know, the experience. Through that repetition, you gain mastery. Okay. 
So right before this gospel, what happened was Jesus told his disciples, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. They're going to torture me. They're going to kill me. But I will rise. I will rise in glory. And James and John, right away, they were talking. Right away, they said, well, we want you to do something for us. What's that? Well, we want to be in your glory. Well, didn't you hear about all the bad stuff that happens to me first? You want to give me any consolation about that or, you know, say, wow, we're really sorry about that. But we'd like to be in your glory. They didn't even stop there or start there. They skipped over all of the bad suffering stuff and just wanted to be in his glory on his right and his left. And then the Lord basically says, look, there's no glory without suffering. The baptism with which I'm going to be baptized, in other words, my suffering, you have to take that on. You have to have that first. There's no, you know, you've heard it said before, right, the colloquialism, there's no Easter without a Good Friday. You can't have a resurrection without a death. You can't have that kind of glory without first the suffering. And there's little ways that that happens, like, you know, my examples, there's little ways that that happens in life, and then there's often very much bigger ways, much larger sacrifices and sufferings that come upon us in life. And the Lord asks us to unite those sufferings with his. It's not really, well, yeah, I guess I don't know that it is fair. Maybe it is fair. It doesn't really matter, though. Because it's the way, it's sort of the course of how the Lord has created things. Nothing really becomes greater without first suffering, without sacrificing. There has to be a sort of death to self to become a better person. You know, if a person is going to grow and, um, and become better, there has to be a death to the old self. I mean, quite frankly, there's, there's nothing more sad than a guy who's like 50 years old. Oh, wait, that's me. There's not <laughs> 51 years old. There's nothing more sad than a guy who's 51 years old who still is acting like he's 20. It's ridiculous. And if you're that guy, I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. Figure it out. If you're still irresponsible, if you're still acting like you're in college and you're 50-something, married with kids... You got problems. You know, I'd, I'd pick on the women, but I know better. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Now, hey, look, if you're stuck in that, all right, well, you got to figure it out. It isn't right. It's not good. But we have to, even throughout our lives, progress. I mean, we should be trying. And sometimes there's regression. That happens. But we're really looking for progress. Not necessarily perfection. I mean, we want perfection, but we're never really going to get there, probably. So if we focus on progress, improving ourselves little by little, um, you know, no matter what age we are, if we're married, if we're unmarried, if we're in a relationship, if we're not, if we're just saying, okay, what's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I can do to improve in my life? Now, I should, I should make a caveat here about suffering, particularly when it comes to relationships, that the Lord is not saying that anyone should ever accept abuse. He's not saying that at all. 
There's only one response to abuse, really, initially, and that is to get away. It's to get out. So he's not talking about that. He's not talking about allowing your spouse or your significant other or even an adult treat you abusively. So setting that aside, suffering, though, is going to come. You know, um, in, married, in married life, you see it very often where, where one of the spouses is having a really difficult time. You know, they're going through a difficult time. It could be health. Very often it's health. It could be, a, you know, psychological or emotional things. And the other person needs to try and do what they can to support. Sometimes they need to carry their spouse and vice versa. Sometimes that just has to happen. And it, I, I know you've, you've told me, you know, Father, this isn't fun. And I'm like, I know. Well, I kind of know because I'm playing guitar watching football. But I know because you tell me because it's hard. It's so hard. It's so hard to raise children. Father, how do you know? I only know from the outside. And if I think it's hard, then it's got to be really, really hard because I'm looking from the outside in. And it must be so difficult, so many sacrifices you have to make as a parent. I mean, really, your children always have to come first. How could they not, especially when they're little? When they're teenagers, they don't want to come first. They just want to get out of the house. But when they're little, they just need so much time and attention. And there's really no other way, unless you're going to be a negligent parent, which, of course, we don't want to be. But it's sacrifice over and over and over. It's just built into the fabric of humanity. You know, you look at, you wonder, well, what kind of sacrifice do I need to take on? A lot of times people will over-spiritualize this notion of sacrifice. And it's like they're going looking for sacrifices. Where's the next suffering I can take on myself? No, you don't have to do that. It's going to come. You don't have to go looking for it. It's right there. And there's, it's not really a healthy spirituality to be looking for ways to suffer more. The sacrifice and suffering will come. And sometimes it will relent, which is wonderful. It's interesting if we were to consider how often we pray when the sacrifices and sufferings are happening and how often we pray when they're not. It's important for us to thank God for the times when things are going well, to really be thankful, to be grateful, to praise God for the goodness, and to remember that goodness when the difficulties come, because they will, and the Lord will be there, and he will not abandon any of us. He will give us the grace to endure it. And if we align ourselves with the sufferings, you know, healthy, appropriate sufferings, if we align ourselves with those and we say, okay, I need to take this on and give it to God, it will transform us. And it may transform those around us. And in this way, suffering, just like, of course, the cross, becomes redemptive. And in this way, we are led beyond the suffering, beyond the cross, into glory. And this is what he desires for all of us. Please stand.